Today on Locked On Canadians, the Leafs cannot beat the Habs, and we are thriving here on Locked On Canadians. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 557 of your first listen of the day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and also on YouTube, where we are not getting close to our 500 subscriber goal. But since we are in the middle of lining up a massive guest, now is the time to subscribe to our YouTube channel. My name is Laura Saba. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla, who has changed up his dis- his background <laughs> display today <laughs> for the occasion. And uh, Scott, it looks like the Canadians are in the Leafs' heads. Wouldn't you agree? I have not had that much fun watching a hockey game in a long, long time. We've talked a lot about how Martin St. Louis is making the Canadians fun. They pumped five goals back past the Leafs today on a back-to-back and the Leafs just didn't have an answer until the third period when the Habs kind of took their foot off the gas. I am, I am thriving today. And as you can see (laughs) on my board until the playoffs begin, it was three, one, it will always be three, one. The Habs might be historically terrible this year, but we will always have this. We will always have it was 3-1 deep in our hearts. We will always know this forever and always. So <laughs> I am in yes. I am in my smug feelings today. I'm not in my Martin St. Louis feelings. I am in my I am extremely smug feelings today. That was a satisfying game. All right. So let's actually talk about the game. A couple of things. First of all, the Canadians were on the second night of a back-to-back. The first game was in Long Island. So there's this is a travel back-to-back, right? The Canadians were allowed to accept uh, 50% capacity in the stands. And there was a decent enough atmosphere in the game from what I could tell uh, from watching it from home. Uh, That was a really exciting game for the fans that were there. But there are a lot of things that went right for the Canadians. I think Samuel Montembeau played really well. Uh, There were a couple goals in the third, but that's to be expected because there were a lot of defensive breakdowns in that period. Because again, the Canadians are on the second night of a back-to-back and they played really well in the first two. I think what the Canadians did this time, which is really interesting because it's sort of the same strategy that they used to beat the Leafs in the playoffs, but there seemed to be a lot more strategy behind it, which was they capitalized on all of Toronto's mistakes. I think Toronto could have uh, stood to have better goaltending. But I don't think it was just goaltending. I think it's extremely unfair and disingenuous for people to say that the Canadians only won because the Leafs were weak in goal. The Canadians took every opportunity to try to score. You always know that Josh Anderson and and Cole Caulfield really step it up against the Leafs, and they did this time. They're both thriving. Jeff Petrie, once again, playing well. That's really important. Like When you're top defenseman, by default or by choice, whatever you want to say, when, when he's on his game, 
you're in a good spot. Um, and the Canadians had a lot of individual plays that I was very pleased with. And when I say that, I, I specifically mean that those concepts, we're going to talk a little bit more about Martin St. Louis' so-called concepts a little bit later in today's show. But you could tell that um, they were implementing some sort of method to whatever they were trying to do. Not only that, every single one of them was playing physically but in a smart way they're not just bruising because they're behind the play they were playing physically they were playing hard to get off the puck they had a lot of zone entries I saw very few chip-ins that went nowhere and I thought that was really really key and not just in this game but in general I like when there's a strategy to your zone entry you're not just you know dumping the puck and then running away or dumping the puck and hoping somebody will retrieve it there there are a lot of tactical things within this game that I think the Canadians uh, did really well. And, and for me, it's again, you've got a really strong team in the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think they're fifth in the league in expected goals or whatever. They're a really strong team. They're considered once again to be a contender if they can get past that first round uh, hump. But the Canadians, ev- like they were everywhere and they were, they were able to keep the Leafs scoring chances less dangerous in the first two periods now the third it was pretty dicey like and again like there were defensive lapses but there was also clearly a lot of tiredness on the ice but what I did see like over the course of the entire game was that even though they're on the second um, night of a back-to-back even though you could tell that like they were trying to find their legs they were still using their bodies efficiently they were still relatively fast you know when you're when you're considering all the circumstances especially when you know how fast toronto is especially up front i think for me like the little concepts were there but also when you're up against a team like that you can't fall apart you have to be smart enough to capitalize on any opportunity, whether it's a mistake or just literally just an opportunity on the ice. And the Canadians did all of that tonight. I was so pleased with their play. I I look at this in that Montreal put the pressure on Toronto early and Toronto wasn't expecting that. Andrew Berkshire noted it and a couple of other people I was talking to noted it that Montreal put pressure on Toronto's defense. Anytime that Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall, Travis Dermott, TJ Brody, Morgan Riley handled the puck. There was someone in their face forcing them to make an instant decision. And we've seen it a lot this year with the Canadians sometimes is that when they have to make a decision, things generally don't go well for them. And this time it it seems like Montreal was able to turn that into odd man rushes. The like Rem Pitlick had a breakaway in the first, what couple minutes of the game. And that kind of set the tone for this entire game is that, Montreal isn't going to isn't going to sit back and let Toronto dictate the pace of play. They're not going to let them dictate who's controlling the puck and where the puck is going on everything. And I think that's really important is that this is how that team can play when they're playing with a counterattack. Josh Anderson was really good. Cole Caulfield was really good. But the bottom six, like Rem Pitlick played well in a counterattacking role. And I think that's what we need to see more from the Canadians to be successful. They're not always going to win these games. Sometimes they're not going to get, you know, Peter Morazic being an AHL level goaltender on a given night. So I, I, I like what I saw in a lot of plays. The third period wasn't great, but it's, it's really good to see the Canadians kind of come out and do what they did tonight. And it's not hard to be impressed by Josh Anderson and Cole Caulfield's line right now, honestly. 
And in our next segment, what we are going to talk about is Josh Anderson, because there's a little bit of a disconnect uh, at play right now. Obviously, there are some reports and rumors that uh, people, teams are asking for him and he's not sure what his future in Montreal is. And then there are other reports where he's, you know, he's mostly feeling confident that he's going to stay. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to talk about Martin St. Louis' concepts. And that's coming up in just one moment. But first, football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next head, next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to, well, the Olympic coverage and information. It was pretty good for Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. So earlier today, somebody was uh, transcribing or, or I guess posting highlights from, uh, I want to say it was the 32, po- uh, 32 Thoughts podcast with uh, Friedman and Merrick. And apparently a lot of teams are inquiring about Josh Anderson, which why wouldn't you? He's one, he's, he's a very special player in this league in that there aren't too many players like him. He is a true power forward in a sense, and he is talented. I think, you know, his inconsistency sometimes, or at least last season, had a lot of people talking about how maybe he might not be a good player, but I don't think that's it. I think he's a very special player. I think he's here. He's he's young enough that the contract is justified. The contract length is justified, and he likes being here. His family is, or his dad's from Montreal, um, and, you know, growing up, they were Habs fans, and he's now playing for the Montreal Canadiens. And um, so earlier in tonight's game, Sportsnet had a hometown hero story about him and his parents. His parents own a restaurant and all of them. They were interviewing that, and, and he said that when he got traded from Columbus to Montreal, he said, if I sign here, I'm going to sign a long-term deal. I want to stay in Montreal. And personally, I think that in a rebuild, like we saw a fan favorite traded already. So I am kind of bracing myself for the worst. But if the Canadians are talking about being like a speedy team, and if they like that power forward concept, which it seems to me that they're hoping that um, Heinemann's going to turn into that. I feel like you keep Josh Anderson. I really don't want to see him traded. I'm going to be really sad if he is, because I personally think that it's hard to find a player like that. I think, you know, and if if you're any other team, especially if you're gearing up for a run, knowing how he performed in the playoffs last year, you absolutely call about Josh Anderson. You absolutely offer. But what is a team willing to offer a player like Josh Anderson who isn't in the elite category? And he's not even in the, like, the top two or three tiers of the NHL forwards. But he's still really good and really useful. And he's still somebody who fits into almost any speedy team. Like, what are you going to offer that's going to be tempting enough for Montreal to be like, all right, bye, Josh? I, I look at it, it this way, is that Josh Anderson is a market inefficiency for the Canadians and in the league in that he can score, he can play with speed, he's physical, he fights. His defensive game is a, I don't even want to say a work in progress because he's no longer a prospect, really. But he's the kind of guy that GMs look at that and go, 
I need that for the playoffs. I'm going to give up a butt ton of stuff for that. Like when the Kings traded for Milan Lucic and they got the shell of Milan Lucic, however, not the actual Milan Lucic at the time uh, in his prime. People look at Josh Anderson and go, that's a guy who can get me 20 goals, can throw some big hits, will stand up for his teammates, and can generally make life a nuisance for a lot of people. And at the same time, there is no one else on the Canadians team that can do what he does right now with that mix of speed and skill and everything else. And I'm of that same mind that I would keep Josh Anderson just because his teammates seem to love him. He loves being in Montreal, and I think the fans have embraced him. Yes, he's not a fancy stats darling. He's not an analytics darling by any means. But there are some times that you just kind of throw that out the window because you don't have anyone else who can do what he does. Like, I can't think of anyone else. I know they want Emil Heinemann to be kind of in that same mold, but he's a way off from being at the NHL level right now. Whoever they pick in the top, you know, three to five at the draft this year likely isn't going to be that type of player or won't be right away. If you get rid of that, you're cutting out part of your attack, which has worked well, and that's playing with speed. Martin St. Louis wants to play with speed and you know play with the space that they're operating in. If you get rid of that, you're kind of cutting yourself off here. I know the season's a, a write-off, but Anderson's playing well. He's playing well on a line with Cole Caulfield, where he's actually developing a little bit as a playmaker. Nick Suzuki isn't doing everything on that line. It's nice to see him do things on that line. But he isn't the only driving force now. And I think Anderson, and I don't think he's long for the top line, all things considered, just because I think he might be a better fit elsewhere in the lineup. But I don't trade him, at least not right now. Unless you're getting a package that is, you know, multiple picks and prospects, which because you've got a guy with term and this skill set, I don't see any reason why you should be trading or even thinking about trading Josh Anderson at this current moment. Yeah, and honestly, I think most of our fans or most of our fellow fans would agree uh, that trading him would make us really, really sad. I want to, before we go into Martin San Luis coaching concepts, I want to mention Nick Suzuki. As you know, on this podcast, we love Nick Suzuki and we praise him profusely often, but we have been neglectful in our praise of Nick Suzuki as of late because... Obviously, Cole Caulfield has found his game and Jeff Petrie's been getting better and Tyler Toffoli got traded and we're so excited that there's this thing called wins now that <laughs> we've kind of, you know, but I think Nick Suzuki is one of the players that we talked about. I think it was in a mailbag where we talked about who, sta- who's, who stands to benefit the most from Martin San Louis. And we thought that because Martin Su- San Louis is such a believer in hockey sense and hockey IQ, we thought that um, Nick Suzuki would benefit a lot from that. And I think with Nick Suzuki, I feel like this this whole thing would be a more long-term proposition because I feel like right now at this stage, Nick Suzuki is already pretty advanced with how smart he is on the ice. He's, he's like we said, a cerebral player. He's one of the smartest players that I can think of that I've been watching in the last couple of years. He's so good at reading the play and he's still really, really young. So I feel like over time working with Martin San Luis, that's only going to get better. He's going to benefit so much from this. But I do want to say, though, in the last couple of games, I've noticed, you know, a lot of times a player like him, if you don't notice him, it means he's doing all the right things, right? It's not always going to be a flashy play. It's not always going to be setting up Cole Caulfield. It's sometimes it's literally going to be sound defensive play or being in the right place at the right time. But I think in the last couple of games, I've seen an intensity from him that I feel like we have not seen 
for a long time for for first I don't want to say the entire season because he had a lot of fits and spurts of getting it back. He was one of the better players overall uh, in this abysmal season. But I like there's this something about his focus that just looks so good right now. I, I think it was the Habs uh, Reddit account on Twitter that pointed it out is that he's also sticking up a lot for himself. And not that he didn't before, like he did in the playoffs when Braden McNabb punched him in the face. But tonight... He absolutely flattened Justin Hall, took on Hall and Jason Spezza at the same time. And then late in the game, <laughs> he got the stick slashed out of his hand. So what did he do? He just went and buried someone at center ice too. He He's developing a little of a, a bit of a bully streak, which he's not going to become a fearsome hitter like Alexander Romanov or a physical hitter like Josh Anderson is. But he's going to become that guy that if you let him sneak up on you, He's going to make you pay for it. You know, Patrice Bergeron, who he models his game after, isn't the most physical guy. But if you're caught, you know, sleeping a little bit on the puck, he's going to make you pay for it. And seeing him continue to develop more of his game overall is the next thing. Yeah, this season isn't what, you know, we probably wanted to build on after the playoffs that he had last year. But at the same time, there's still little building blocks that are happening here that help him get to that next level as the franchise center. And it's really fun to watch this happen right now because he's going to be good. He's going to be a star in this league. I don't have any doubt of that because he's played with so many different wingers this year. And at the same time, we still go out and go, that's Nick Suzuki. We know exactly what he's going to do out there, what we can expect. And he, like you said, he's cerebral. He's smart. He does things, and when he's playing with confidence like the team is now, he's making plays that you go, whoa, I didn't think he could do that. And, you know, guess what? There it is. He can. He's that good. And honestly, <laughs> I'm really, really here to see what next level Martin St. Louis and whatever coach might be next can get him to. I'm I'm in a hundred percent in agreement with that, and we are going to get to Martin San Luis coaching concepts in just one moment. Scott, before we get into what I want to talk about, which is some premium hockey nerdery, um, can you tell me a little bit about the jersey you have chosen to wear? Oh, so. I went to Lake Placid <laughs> on a hike or went to go hiking. It was last March. Um, it was right after a snowstorm, though. So all the trails were covered in ice and unable to go hiking. So I went to the hockey store there and I already had a Team USA jersey. And so what I did was I bought a Soviet Union jersey. And because it says CCCP on it, I've decided to turn it stands for Cole Caulfield Can Points for tonight. <laughs> so. I know that's not I what it stands it. for, but that's what <laughs> I'm going to say it stands for because this was our victory tonight in Montreal. <laughs> so um, as everyone knows, I have more hockey jerseys than I know what to do with. Uh, tonight was the Soviet Union jersey, though. I was feeling a little bit of Red Army luck in the jersey tonight, and that turned out pretty well, all things considered. So that is <laughs> that is tonight's jersey nerdery. So <laughs> All right. I'm just wearing our Locked On branded. I've got a long sleeve. We got polos. We got t-shirts. I'll be wearing those as well. Um, I just uh, I just wanted uh, Scott to say Cole Caulfield can points. <laughs> Matt, right, if you watch this about? tomorrow, can you please make that into a gif where it says Cole, Cole Caulfield, Caulfield can, can points? points. <laughs> Thank you. Much appreciated. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. 
So uh, what I wanted to talk about a little bit was over the weekend, Marc-Antoine Godin and Arpin Basu of The Athletic talked to Martin Saint-Louis. Now, this is something that we mentioned in the last episode, um, and I believe Eric Engels may have made reference to it as well in one of his pieces. That was also a really good piece. So uh, I'll get to that in a second. Um, Chantal Maccabé has been phenomenal in giving the media access and therefore the fans access to main players in the Canadians organization. Kent Hughes has done a lot of media. Jeff Gorton has done a lot of media. Martin Saint-Louis has done a lot of media. And um, Eric Engels had a sit down with Jeff Gorton. On, and if you look for it on Sportsnet, you'll be able to find it. And that was kind of a, it was a really eye-opening piece not just in terms of what Jeff Gordon believes and what his philosophy is but all of the things that um, had been going on behind the scenes with the Canadians that were of concern partly uh, Jeff Gordon seemed to feel like it was uh, it was short staffing like he said that there's a lot of people here that do a lot of good work but there's a lot of jobs where it's not a one-person job and one person has to deal with it so Jeff Gorton's job, I feel like, has been kind of not just to put the right hockey operations people in place, but also, you know, the organization as a whole needs uh, a little bit of help. Uh, and the people that have been doing a lot of jobs, like, you know, player liaisons and things like that, need a lot more support. And I think that's a really positive thing. Like, I, I the more I learn about this, this front office, the more I like it. But all of this to say is that Martin Saint-Louis uh, interview with uh, with uh, Arpin and Marc-Antoine is really good. It's on The Athletic. Uh, and I really encourage people to check it out because it was really good. And when I what, before I wanted to start reading it, I said, all right, this is going to give me, you know, I've been obnoxious about my Martin Saint-Louis feelings up until this point. This is just going to make it worse. And it did. But the thing that I liked <laughs> about this is that it's not just like endearing. Um, it's intriguing and interesting. It's really cool to see how a coach in the modern NHL thinks. There are a lot of things where even Martin Saint-Louis was admitting that he gets better at it every day. Like this is his first time NHL coaching job or professional coaching job. And uh, like, he's, he's very, very open about the things he doesn't know and things he does, but he believes in a lot of stuff. And so what they did was they talked to him about the concepts and he did say that he wasn't going to share secrets, but he was going to talk about the ideas. So they kind of, um, uh, the way that uh, Arpin and, and Marc Antoine, uh, uh, sort of uh, laid out the article was that they put chapters, right? So like each concept had a chapter dedicated to it. And then they have little videos illustrating the points of how good the, the good, how the, the, um, the concepts are, are resulting in positive plays on the ice or positive habits on the ice. I think it's a really long article. So obviously I'm not going to go through all of it, but you know, there are a lot of things that I thought uh, were really, really interesting because we talk a lot on this podcast about how in the modern NHL a coach has to evolve and they have to think in the new way not just that you have to get modern style players you know it's not it's not the pre-lockout years anymore it's not a big bruising stay-at-home defenseman anymore you need two-way players you need a lot of uh, people who, who who kind of can be versatile uh, size isn't as big of a deal anymore speed is more where it's at skill is more where it's at you know and there's things like that uh, but a lot of the things that I was reading in this piece for example playing without the puck like you would think all right playing with the puck means playing without the puck means defensively like who you know but that's not what he means at all it's literally about 
where you're going to be being aware of every situation on the ice, being aware of uh, the plays that you're going to foresee. Like there's so many interesting things uh, that he was talking about, things like making the best play. You know, you have to make a choice between what plays available to you and what isn't. And I think that's what we're seeing on the ice. We're literally seeing like players making choices, which they weren't before. They were just defaulting to the safe play. He even said that he doesn't like the safe play. So there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of like meat in this article. Um, and it talks a lot about how this is going to take a long time to implement and develop. But the more that I read this, the more that I thought um, to go back to a mailback question that we received last week, who would you put in the analytics department? And uh, Jack Hahn was brought up. I think it was Randy Hansen that asked us this question and said, would you hire Jack Hahn to be in your analytics uh, department? And the more I read that piece and the more familiar I get with Jack Hahn's work, which he posts online, like, you, you, you know, it's accessible to, to everybody, um, is that he would be really great on the coaching team as a consultant not necessarily like as part of the analytics like data department as much as implementing concepts reading concepts observing concepts like he's really good at that but I just thought that like that peek into into Martin San Luis mind is more and more reassuring as time goes on it could be a crazy experiment we're still in the very early stages and we've been saying that this is like a a really high risk but potentially high reward move by the canadians hiring this guy who's literally only coached children um in in the past like his kids so you know like the more the more i hear about the way that he thinks and the the more uh i i hear about his philosophy and his ideas the more i realize that like they weren't just paying lip service like when they're talking about a guy who eats sleeps breathes hockey and he really thinks about the game in a tactical manner and he's been thinking about this for i don't know how long and all of that like all of that is ringing true in his answers and, and the way that he talks and and they they had they've incorporated some co- quotes from the players and it seems like they're responding really well uh to him as well so this isn't just a martin saint louis feelings podcast this is literally like you know we're talking we're, we're talking about how he's putting his money where his mouth is and I look at the way this team is playing, and someone brought this up in the eyes on the prize slack, is that under Claude Julien and Dominique Ducharme, it was, okay, all of your defensive responsibilities first, and then offense. And when you have a guy like a Cole Caulfield, a Josh Anderson, a Mike Hoffman, that's not how you get the best out of them. It reminds me when Adam Oates was coach of the Washington Cat, was it Tail Hunter? Whoever tried to get Alex Ovechkin to play defense and almost tanked his career Trying to square peg round hole everybody doesn't work. Players are not interchangeable pieces that can just be plugged and played in the same situation. Jake Evans cannot go from fourth line center to top line offensive center. That's not what suits his role. Just like you can't take Mike Hoffman as an exploitation line winger and make him a defensive winger on a line with Christian Dvorak. It doesn't work. And San Luis thing is make your reads and generate offense from the defense out right now. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing more aggressive puck retrieval. Guys are coming back into the slot so they can start the breakout with pace. I saw Josh Anderson doing this a lot tonight. I saw Cole Caulfield back checking into the slot tonight. And I look at the team going in, getting pucks out. And then even if they're chipping it off the boards, they're still counterattacking with speed and putting that pressure on opposing puck carriers, opposing defenders, to make a read with the puck. And when you've got Josh Anderson bearing down on you, you don't make a lot of smart decisions with the puck. And we saw that tonight. And 
I don't know if it's just concepts or if it's something that's actually in a coaching handbook that makes a ton of sense, but it, it's almost like getting back to basics a little bit here is that it's like, Hey, get the pucks out, get them out with speed, counterattack, make sure you're supporting the puck carrier. And we're seeing that it's not guys going one on three. It's attacking with two to three players. It's supporting the defenseman by being available for short passes with speed to get out of the zone. And that's what this team needed. They're not stretch passing it. They're not Hail Mary passing it. They're not off the glass and outing it unless they need to. It just, it's simplified to a way. And it just appeals to, hey, you get puck down ice score. Simple as that. And he's trusting his players' instincts. I'm sure that there's some coaching that's like, hey, you tried to make this read this time. Maybe, you know, look here and try this. And that's what they do next time. It doesn't seem like the Canadians can be hemmed into if we meet them at the blue line where the player is standing, they're not getting the puck out. It is now we have to give them the blue line because if we get caught flat-footed, they have three guys going the other way and it turns into an odd man rush, which sounds like their problem, not my problem. But it's nice to see a modernization of the Canadians' offensive game. I thought Claude Julien was a very good cycle coach and be able to grind teams down but you need to be able to play with pace in the modern NHL. And that, that's what they're getting right now. They're playing to the strength of this lineup. They're not the most skilled. They're not the best scoring lineup, but they play with a pressure and a tenacity that is really good to see. And when you play with pace and you play with the way Martin St. Louis has them, you get positive results, win or lose. And I think that's a huge benefit to this team right now. I absolutely agree. And again, if you have any kind of hockey nerdery <laughs> in your interests, that's definitely a great article to check out on the Athletic NHL. Um, it was it's truly great, and and I I love hearing him talk. And I think you know this entire front office has done a really good job of articulating what they're about and and what we can expect from them. But in the meantime, we're so excited about this win and everything that we've all we basically run out of time, and it feels like just a second has passed. But so we will. End it here we will be back tomorrow as always you know we're here every weekday you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and also on youtube you'll find us on twitter at lo underscore canadians you can also email us at lockedoncanadians at gmail.com you can email us thoughts observations you can email us mail mailback questions we love hearing from you on all of these platforms and also if you want to find scott on twitter he's at scott matley he's probably being really smug about that Leafs game what on, me on no right never now. me a smug on Twitter how dare you never pay no attention to this whatsoever I have never been smug on Twitter a day in my life except all the days that I was really smug on Twitter and got myself kind of yelled at a little bit <laughs> And you can also find me at The Active Stick. I am far less smug. I am more in my feelings. I clearly love Martin St. Louis. That's my entire social media personality right now. Uh, and if you liked this podcast, make your second listen of the day Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.